0: This is the Organizational Health Advantage podcast with Keith Hadley and James Spelton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage. Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Keith Hadley, Principal Consultant with The Table Group.
1: I'm James Felton, also Principal Consultant with The Table Group. And today's topic is the leader's role. And we came about this because Keith and I were having uh, some important conversations around what's what's really the glue to all this work? Meaning, you know, we talked to teams about the need for being a cohesive leadership team, creating clarity around strategy and culture, over communicating that clarity to their people over and over and over, and then lastly, reinforcing that clarity in their human systems. But Keith, we would probably both say that there's something even more important to that in the success of an organization, and especially in the transformation with this model. What would that be?
0: Oh my gosh. It is the ability of the leader to really own it. And you yeah. you would think that that would be a given when we start our conversations. But uh, James, you know, how often are we talking to somebody other than the leader in the initial couple of phone calls? And then we're just dying on the inside until we actually meet the leader to know, is this something that the leader is going to own and drive and lead? They're the leader. Will they lead it?
1: Yeah. And that that happens so often when we maybe talk to a COO or a CHRO about bringing us in. We love it when it's the CEO who reaches out to us first. But we need to be eye to eye with that leader, even in the planning stages, to understand, does this leader uh, want to own it? Can they own it? What coaching are we going to need to provide even before we start in working with the executive team. And so when you think of owning it, Keith, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, I think that the leader, when they own it, what that means is that organizational health is something that they want that they are willing to be vulnerable, they're willing to ask for help, they recognize that they need more voices around the table to help them make decisions. And so, for some leaders, that means they really need to own a little bit more of an inclusive approach to leadership. At the same time, for overly inclusive leaders, it means they need to own the fact that they're the leader, they make the decision. They carry that weight of responsibility around like a heavy backpack and they realize I need to decide. I'm the one that needs to own bringing decisions to clarity with closure. I need to own the fact that I'm going to have to ask people to do hard things as a result of getting clear and aligned. I'm going to have to set clear expectations. I'm going to have to hold people accountable. I'm going to have to give people behavioral feedback. All these things, the leader needs to own that. It can't be something that the team is asking the leader to do or other people are trying to, t- trying to like push them to do. Right, they need to step into it and own it.
1: Yeah, one of uh, one of the leaders that you and I most admire is Alan Malali. He turned Ford around, and he talks about how he would set clear expectations around behaviors and strategies, but primarily around like we're all coming together as one Ford. We got to care about each other. He would actually use the term love, and if somebody violated that principle in a meeting he'd often say hey, hey wait a second that's not how we're going to behave in here or he would say well i had to follow that person to their office after the meeting and have a conversation with them about their behavior and he would also say like he never let an opportunity pass to coach somebody on it if if they if it was a minor violation if it was a bigger violation he was having that conversation with them and yeah. uh, and then you added one in our conversation uh, Keith, prior to this podcast, around Christmas, talk about that a little bit. That was really interesting to me.
0: I don't remember. T- give me one more prompt. <laughs> around
1: what? About the leaders <laughs> need to be crisp in their messaging. Oh,
0: absolutely. You know, it's can I it just? It's so funny. I thought you said Christmas, like the holiday, and I was like, I do not remember talking about Christmas. Uh, we talked about the need for a team to be crisp, meaning efficient. Crisp in a meeting means, um, hi, welcome to the meeting. We're going to talk about this today. I am undecided on which direction we're going. And so, I need us to have a debate about the factors that would put me in this direction or that direction. You know, teeing a meeting up, setting the tone for a meeting with an expectation that we are here to get something done. We work with a leader, James, uh, right now who has a tendency to soliloquy. And, and we are often kind of doing like our hands in the air, trying to motion to him like, hey, headlines only, headlines only. State an expectation. Make it clear. Ask a question. Expect an answer. But like go for brevity, for speed. Just make it crisp. That's what we mean by crisp. A leader needs to own that part of it. Yeah, so not the
1: holiday. It's more (laughs) bullet pointing. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. And, And oftentimes leaders feel like they need to build a case for what they're about to say. Oh, totally. And in reality, they're the leader. So if they need to be crisp and bullet point it and set expectations. And if there are any questions, it is incumbent upon the other people in the room to ask them.
0: How many times have we told the leader, James, like, look, you're the leader. You don't need to convince people to go this direction. The way you build commitment is by having people weigh in and debate and, and so, like, you need to ask them a question, have them tease out the options, have them make the case while you're listening and teeing it up. And, you know, that's how you get commitment, not getting commitment by browbeating people with your own opinion. So, there's really no need for a leader to talk for more than 20 seconds in a row. Ask a question, right. set the tone, ask clarifying questions, make sure everybody's spoken, make the decision. Like, you own the debate. You own the decision. Yeah, um, I love that you brought Alan Mulally in because, like, his whole premise was working together, having a plan. And as much as he was focused on working together, it was like, "Hey, I'm in charge here, and my expectation is that we will work together." So, like, he he even owned the fact that he's not going to try to own everything. He's going to say, "We need to do this together." And, and it was clear uh, at Ford that there was a new leader with a new point of view in place that was going to drive a culture. And he just stepped into it.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I, I love getting back to like, he was great at setting clear expectations. You know, he didn't have to go on long soliloquies or monologues, clear expectations. He reminded people often of those expectations. And when necessary, he held them accountable in also a kind, loving way, you know, and you know him just as much as I do. He had a smile on his face all the time, but everybody on his team knew he was crystal clear and he meant what he said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. James, something that's coming to mind is there's a couple of phrases we use with clients a lot. One of the phrases is team behavior precedes team performance what precedes team behavior is the executive teams behavior like company behavior the executive teams behavior will precede the organization's behavior which will precede performance and i think maybe one thing we need to add to that to that phrase is like the leaders behavior setting expectations holding people accountable will actually precede the teams behavior so it it starts with the leader and it, and it goes from there. We we I think we would tell a leader that has had the same team in place for, let's say, six months to a year, like, let's give them a chance to adjust, right? But if you've had the same team in place for a year, you have the team that you deserve.
1: Actually, you know what? We worked with a client in San Diego where I thought he did a really good job. He was yeah. new, new CEO. I thought he really did a good job of setting expectations, clear expectations for what he felt was important early on. Like we started working with him about two months after he took over and he did a great job of setting those expectations early. And honestly, it made people really uncomfortable at the beginning because they weren't used to that, but it was clear what he wanted. And he was a great leader and, and kind and you know cared about his people. And, uh, but again, he just said, hey, if I'm going to lead, just know this is how I'm going to lead and what I think is important. And he kept reminding yeah. them over and over and over.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have a question I'm, I, and I, my, I may need to answer this first as I think about it. But like, how do we, how would we coach a leader who's not owning it? right like how how have we seen somebody move from they really weren't taking responsibility for the performance of the team to really owning it themselves what What kinds of shifts or behavior changes did we see them
1: engage in, or maybe a mindset shift? Well, how we have done that, uh, which I think was your first question, sometimes we've had private conversations with them, but um, we also had that a big client where it was clear the team was looking for the leader to break ties. And when there were there was uh differences of opinions, they were really wanting the leader to step in. He was a little bit more like, you folks need to figure this out and come to more of a consensus-based decision. And they were, they were almost pleading with them. And so we had listed the team to say, like, what's your feedback for the CEO? And, in moments like this and they said we want you to make a decision so that we can move on and we can go and implement right. um, so that's part of owning it you know we would enlist the other people on the team what's the feedback you could give to the ceo um, we would also coach them around hey you're you're talking too long here uh, you're not giving a decision you're not making a decision you're not making it known you're coming in unclear if the decision has already been made or if you're looking for feedback on it, you know, those types of things. And it's, it's coaching really on, on being crisp and clear about their expectations and decisions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I've seen that has really pushed leaders into owning it is actually when we stop working with them. <laughs> um and i had an experience recently where uh we you know with the team we had had several offsites we did a lot of between offsite coaching with the leader uh it really honestly wasn't until we told the leader look we are not going to work with you in your next offsite you're going to lead it yourself we will do mm-hmm. a prep call with you and we'll do a follow up call with you but but you've got to take responsibility to achieve the outcomes that you're hoping for in this next offsite. And he had he had been a part of many offsites, he had gotten lots of good coaching and he was definitely up for the task, but it really wasn't until he was responsible for it, truly. Now he he would say every day that he was running the company, and every day he was trying to make good decisions and he was very active. But but he really wasn't owning the behavior of his team, in particular, their ability to make better decisions faster, uh, their ability to bring things to closure, their ability to focus not on everything, but on the critical few. Those are things he would always kind of blame the team or in some cases blame the facilitators or the consultants for like not getting him there. And, and the best offsite they ever had was the one where he really stepped up and took control and said, okay... Like, like we're gonna to get to this outcome.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so great. So as, as we bring this to a close, what we're really saying is, yes, we want teams to become healthier, minimizing politics, minimizing confusion, increasing productivity and morale. We think the best way to do that is around uh, building a cohesive leadership team, creating strategic and cultural clarity, over communicating that throughout the organization, And reinforcing it in their human systems. But the glue to all of that is the role of the leader and their ability to own it by setting clear expectations, holding people accountable to those and reminding people of what's important over and over and over. Would you agree with that?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What you just described is a healthy organization and leading a healthy organization is the one thing that a leader cannot delegate to
1: anybody else. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Keith. This has been great. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And we'll see you next time on the Org Health Advantage.
0: Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com.